Correcte, pas d'idée abjecte, c'est pour faire la fête Voilà comment Mano avance en se prendre la tête Chante dans le loup, le renard et la belette Chante dans le loup et le renard chanté Chante dans le loup, le renard et la belette Chante dans le loup et le renard chanté Mano viendra les gars, Mano viendra C'est à ce moment là qu'il faut lever les bras Mano viendra les gars, Mano viendra C'est à ce moment là qu'il faut lever les bras ah, Tranquille, j'arrive et je me pose Non surtout pas de close Sur ce tempo tribal j'ai envie de poser des prose Paul, have you enjoyed the last week of football? Uh, yeah, spectacularly. Um, there's been, you know, I'm in that group stage zone where there is a slight blurring of the edges between one match and the next. But my general impression of the last week is of quite a lot of very enjoyable to watch football. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess it depends on your perspective. I think... Uh, the, the the quality of entertainment hasn't always been really high. Although I, I, I kind of my perspective is in the last couple of days it's really jacked up a notch. Um, I really enjoyed Italy and Belgium. Thought it was uh, uh, probably the best game in the tournament so far. Um, I really enjoyed Portugal and Iceland. Uh, finished minutes ago for slightly different reasons. The opener was okay. I thought France were pretty average. Uh, and then the England game. Well, you know, a spectacular goal from Eric Dyer, um, but not a lot else from England after that. Pretty wasteful. Um, but on the whole, you know, three games a day, you can't complain, right? No, and, and you know, I think out of all the games I've watched, I can only think of a couple that were clunkers. I fell asleep during the Northern Ireland game. I think that's the only one that's actually knocked me out. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't super high quality. Some bizarre tactics from the Irish and uh, they really, I mean, after plan A failed, they didn't have a lot of plan B. No, uh, let's take it, let's rewind all the way back to the opening day of the tournament. Um, I absolutely loved uh, that France game. I, I just was, I mean, France were completely brilliant for about 15 minutes and really average for about 75 minutes. Now, under normal circumstances, you'd say that's not good. Um, but the fact that they got the win and the fact that they've got something to build on throughout this tournament, I think I, st I certainly wouldn't be writing them off uh, at this stage in spite of their flaws. No, and they do clearly have some flaws. I mean, Griezmann had a, a very off day. Giroud is, I mean, Giroud's pretty mediocre as a centre forward for a, for a team hoping to win a tournament. Um, obviously, Martial didn't start. We speculated about whether he would or not. Um, it's not like France missed out there because he would have played on the left and Payet was was superb, wasn't he? You know, man of the match and scored an absolutely belting goal. Um, I think maybe, maybe the best individual performance of any player in the tournament so far yeah yeah perhaps i mean capped off by that that absolutely stunning goal you know with his left foot into the right into the top corner mm. um griezmann was very poor though and i yeah. think he'll come under pressure with it we'll see you know it, he might get one more chance but certainly uh, kingsley coman and and martial are, are both going to put him under pressure but look a win for the hosts Uh, you, you mentioned Giroud, and I think that, like, he scored, obviously, a very kind of Giroud goal. Um, but I, I I actually don't think the problem is Giroud's lack of quality, really. It's more his lack of suitability for the style that Deschamps was playing. Lots of balls in the channels to run onto, like, loads of through balls, loads of players capable of that kind of pass. Um, and not a lot of kind of wide men getting out wide, busting up to get out wide and blast crosses in. 
And Giroud's just not mobile enough to play that role. Um, I think, actually, they would have been much better off with Martial playing at centre-forward just because he's a, when he does play at, at centre-forward, he's the kind of striker that can run the channels a bit and uh, latch onto some through balls and stuff. Um, so I think that was a bit of a shame. But, yeah, I, I just thought for the for the 10 minutes they played well, they were spectacular when it clicked. Payet was just absolutely motoring. Pogba had a weird game of really spotty, um, but it, he did have a couple of moments. And yeah, Griezmann, very disappointing. Coman, I think there's there's a kind of, there's a sense in which the jury's a bit out on him still, even though he's obviously had some incredible games. I, I guess it's not so much the jury's out on him. He's just young. So he's going to have games where he kind of doesn't make those kind of the kind of impact France need him to. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I mean, I can't see Martial starting up front for them. Deschamps hasn't ever started him up front, I don't think. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, um, that's France. Uh, they they play, I can't remember who next, but, uh, you, you know, you think they're in a good position for, for uh, getting out of that group. England, uh, not quite the same, right? So... Uh, led for such a long time in that in that game against Russia, stunning free kick from Eric Dia 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 um, Dia, and um, yeah, uh, he con- conceded that sort of injury time goal uh, to level it at one one. They'll be pretty disappointed with that. They controlled most of the game, just uh, pretty wasteful uh, in front of goal. Yeah, France playing Albania next. Albania, ah, oh, they, they, there you go. Ruined my intro. I talked about Albania versus Romania, the, the game I am most looking forward to this tournament. Hasn't it already happened? Not. No, no, no. It was, it was Switzerland that Albania played. Albania were a little unlucky against Switzerland, but we promised we wouldn't do in-depth analysis on every game because you'd all be here for weeks. No, no. I, the, the only thing you need to know about Albania versus Switzerland um, is Shaka. Crunched Shaka, as we all <laughs> hoped Shaka's he would. mum was wearing a half and half T-shirt, but he's definitely allowed. Like, there's definitely a time when you're allowed to wear a half and half if you're someone, if you're a mum of player on both teams. And it turns out that um, Xhaka's old Granite Xhaka's older brother, the older brother Toron Xhaka, is not captain of, Alba- of Albania. So maybe the whole key thing was, in fact, right all along. Um, so there you go. Anyway. Uh, England, so good in that first half. Like, just one of the better performances I can remember from England at a tournament in, well, recent memory. It's been a long time. Um, And they just didn't take their chances. Harry Kane was really poor. Sterling was... Abysmal. Absolutely woeful. Like, drop him. Instantly drop him. I know he was kind of backing Sterling and he's obviously a talented player. And I think in a year's time when he's had a year under Pep, it might be a very different situation or in two years at the next tournament. But for now, just give up on him and play someone else there. Play Jamie Vardy there. England side with three players in attacking positions, Rooney, Lalana, and Sterling, who've not had good seasons at all. Um, of those, Lalana, pretty average. Rooney, very good for England and probably probably one of his better uh, performances in a, in a midfield role for England, definitely, or, or just ever. Um, you know, created a couple of chances, very accurate with his passing, didn't go over the top with the Hollywood ball, which is one of his bigger failings, and was pretty disciplined in terms of his position, got very deep as the game went on, um, and then was pulled off with three minutes ago, which was a very odd substitution. Uh, but a pretty good performance from Rooney, I thought. Mm. In the intro, you joked that it was kind of a surprise, but in a way it really isn't a surprise, because... 
Russia did the thing that so many of the teams that played United in the last phase of last season did and did sit very deep and allowed Rooney a lot of time on the ball. And we know that he can do it under those circumstances. He's proven that now. I, I mean, another man whose uh, legs are ageing and needs a bit of time and space is uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger. He hasn't played for months, it seems. Well, literally, hasn't played for months. Came off the bench and within about 10 seconds, he'd scored a, a stunning goal. Great, great half volley from him to, to score Germany's second. Not bothered. No problem. Bastian Schweinsteiger. He doesn't need football. He's Bastian Schweinsteiger. Football needs him. Um, yeah, uh, the the disappointment. I mean, you know, you know where your loyalties lie in the moment, and it does turn out that actually, I do definitely want this England team to do well because I was very disappointed when Russia scored at the end. I mean, I thought that Hodgson got his substitutions absolutely appallingly wrong, and this wasn't in hindsight. I was, I was chatting about it with some friends on WhatsApp during the game, and. When he brought on Milner, it's just such a regressive move. Oh, God, Because yeah. Russia were there for the taking. And, and a second goal would have been just crucial. And like, to leave Rashford, Vardy, just even to leave Kane on, just a straight swap of Kane for Vardy would have made some difference. in the, To stretch the game? Yeah, no. Very, very negative in the substitutions. Very, very negative. And, and England paid for it. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see how how important that is because it might well be because uh, England might well regret those two dropped points certainly if they don't finish top of the group which there's every chance they won't because Wales won their opening game a very scrappy impressive performance uh, from Wales it's hard to kind of assess how good or otherwise Slovakia are there was that moment when Marek Hamšík threatened to kind of set the tournament alight with a beautiful run and a slightly poor finish, which um, Ben Davis cleared off the line. Uh, then Bale scored a decent free kick. Decent, I'd say. Not spectacular. Just one of those Ronaldo knuckleballs. Yeah, he hit it with the top of his uh, his top of his laces and it, it bent the wrong way, which confused the keeper. Yeah. That is uh, his weight on the wrong foot. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was Bale versus Hamshik and 20 others, wasn't it? Mm. It's, it's really offensive, but it's basically the truth. Joe Allen was really good. Um, yeah, Aaron, Ramsey was, right. Aaron Ramsey was not really good. A- and he looks like a complete twat with a haircut. <laughs> it's very bold. It's a very bold move. But he, 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 he somebody described his pass, in inverted commas, to Hal robson Carnu as like a, a beautiful little dinked ball through. It was definitely a miscontrol. <laughs> and I'm not being, not even, that isn't even meant as a no. dig. He was definitely trying to control the ball and it, it kind of scuffed its way to Robson Carney, who scuffed the ball in. So not, not super hot, not the best goal of the tournament. So did you see, uh, we, we briefly mentioned Northern Ireland um, previously. You said you fell asleep during that one. Uh, I did, yeah. Talking of odd midfielders, Paddy McNair played in midfield. Now, I know he's done it a couple of times for United Reserves, but he was abysmal in central <laughs> midfield. The thing is, he's played like a defensive midfield a lot for Northern Ireland and done well there. But, but he is basically the exactly. right winger. Well, kind of number 10 in a way. Like, he was just one of the, the most advanced midfielders in that side. Yeah, not not his natural fit. Only made it to half-time. Yanked off at half-time. I tell you, Talking of substitutions at half-time, one of the things that Hodgson got wrong with his substitutions was how late they were. Leaving Sterling on for that long, I can, I can, you can understand the impetus when you've got a player like Sterling who's so obviously short on confidence that you don't want to utterly destroy his confidence by just taking him off after 50 minutes or even at half-time. But 
it's tournament football. You you just have so little time to make an impact. It's all so short termist that I think you you have to roll the dice a bit more, and, and that's something yeah. that Hodgson hasn't done. It was a pretty attacking lineup that he picked. Um, but just such regressive substitutions, like he kind of went into himself. Anyway, no, and and I think actually that um, you know maybe the real Roy Hodgson coming out, and the fact that he's got quite a large group within his um, within the squad of players who have either not been fit for a lot of the season or weren't in great form. Mm. Um, that might be England's undoing. We'll see. Look, because um, you know, on the on the face of it, this is a much uh, much more attacking, much more progressive squad side than the one that went to Brazil two years ago, isn't it? You know, they they look and they did they did play well. They if did. Russia they did. Scrape yeah. that. I think the tone would be different, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Um, so. Um, I think probably the best performance of the tournament so far was from Italy versus Belgium. We we talked a little bit in the preview show about uh, just how inhibited this Belgium team can be, and they really were for you know the whole first half against Italy, who was superb. Who we we derided as uh, the worst Italy side, or at least I did, worst Italy side for some time. And really, on paper, they are, aren't they? But this was a great performance from the Azuri. Yeah, it was. I'm 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 staring at a World Cup wall chart, a Euros wall chart here, and I must admit, you've got my my kind of desire to do things in order a bit shaken by jumping from Group uh, B pretty much straight through to Group E, with a, like briefly touching down on Group C. But I'll go with you, Ed, and we'll we'll come back to D. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean Italy were absolutely superb. Somebody described it as. A uh, coach without a team against a manager uh, against a team without a coach, um, which is harsh on Italy's outstanding defenders. Um, but really, honestly, if that Italy side had anything like the firepower of Belgium up front, they'd be massive tournament favourites because they looked so incredibly effective. That ball for Benucci for the opener, Ed. Yeah, um, I mean, just uh, just a perfect game from the Italians and. Um, it, it wasn't as if when going 1-0 up that they really retrenched into themselves. I mean, sure, sure Belgium attacked much no. more in the second half. And actually, weird stat, Marin Fellaini created seven chances in the game. I'm sure all of them were <laughs> knockdowns because um, uh, he really wasn't very fluent in the midfield. I mean, he wasn't the only one who wasn't fluent in midfield, you know, by, by any means. But, but yeah, Italy didn't just do the Italian thing and defend. Um, I thought they were a very, very good value for their win. Yeah, and then Conte has never set them up as a counter-attacking side, has he? That's not what he does. Um, they're, they're, they play kind of they they get into play like like Spain in their prime they get into players as soon as they've got the ball um but you know it was it was really interesting watching that back three because there's no doubt that that is the class of the field in terms of defensive play and it's it was really noticeable that even with Belgium's good players they just looked so untroubled and it, and it was like it was kind of to do with the I mean Lukaku had an absolute stinker um, the, that kind of worst of Lukaku when every touch seems to bounce six feet away from him um, and and none of their tricky, like De Bruyne and Hazard didn't really do too much um, but I do think some of it was also just about the fact that the positioning was so good the, the, the moment where they decide to kind of snuff out the possession is almost always right um, we'll see how they grow into tournament uh, I think ultimately their lack of quality up front is going to be their undoing. But I said this on the opening show and I repeat it now. If I was Belgian, I would hate Mark Wilmot 
so much because playing centre-backs a full-back, playing Fellaini instead of Dembele, it's just, there's just calamity all over that pitch and it just doesn't need to be. No, true. And it's it's a thing that will be their undoing, surely. Well, it already is. Mm. Um, and uh, m- maybe they'll be talking in years to come about the golden Belgium generation that uh, never achieved anything. Um, did you see Germany against Ukraine? Because you say Italy's performance was the best and I, I would, I'd would i say it was it was definitely up there, but, but Germany's might have been the second best performance. No, that's one I missed. Right. Um, it was, a, it was a, an excellent game. I mean, Ukraine definitely are a threat a counter-attacking threat, no doubt, and and Germany were somewhat fortunate to to not concede at all. And like, it had a lot to do with Manuel Neuer, obviously. But yeah, that Bastian Schweinsteiger goal at the end was just so joyous. Such a, because the German crowd went crazy when Schweine came on. Absolutely lost the run of themselves, which was uh, very enjoyable indeed. Um, and then for him to score as well, that must have been a great moment to be German. That Yeah, still the talisman and, and tells you a lot about why he was picked despite being unfit. Yeah. Although I maintain that he looks in better shape than he did at any point during his Manchester United season. Hmm, yes, the lardy arse has gone somewhat. <laughs> um, thinking back, uh, Turkey, Croatia, not much to note in that game, I thought. No, Fight. I totally disagree. Did you, did you watch goal. that game? I did watch that goal, yeah. Game. No, I, th- I thought that was one of the... I think Croatia looked absolutely excellent. Uh, Modric was superb, like super. Superb and thoroughly deserved his goal. Well, he he is he is superb. Yeah, I mean, he, him and uh, the, the other best midfielder of the tournament so far, Tony Cruz, both Real Madrid players, uh, both excellent. I just didn't think the game was that great. Really fine goal though to win it. Yeah, and and Croatia really like put a lot of pressure on Turkey and maintained their possession and and just played a very effective possession game and looked a much more kind of um, complete unit. I, I, I don't know. It's a long way to go in the tournament yet, but I was, I, I was quite... If they grow from that, if that's the kind of baseline that they grow from, they could be a really serious threat in the later stages, I thought. They don't have too many weaknesses. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that back four copes. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, the back, the back four is the weakness, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, so look, yeah, I'm jumping around groups. I know that's annoying you, but we're going a general chronological order, which means, you know... Spain, Spain, Czech Republic? William? Spain, Czech Republic, while well, Republic of Ireland, Sweden All right, came okay. just, just before that. Yeah. But um, No, no, you've got that the wrong way around. I've got it the wrong way around, it's true. It's terribly wrong. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry that my, you know, out of the box thinking is uh is, is doing for you <laughs> can't handle it can't. <laughs> all right Re- republic republic sweden um john o'shea zlatan ibrahimovic the clash of the titans <laughs> and o'shea bossed that for 89 minutes until zlatan danced around him and and created the equalizer yeah past and future manchester united legends going head to head there um well o'shea's coming back to old traffic <laughs> no that doesn't work at all um so yeah i mean amazing amazing John O'Shea just uh, just controlled the game from the back um, they, they were so Zlatan, good in that first half of Ireland were they, they were and they couldn't keep it up um, and they did look like an old side didn't they towards the end of it you know the, the steam really ran out and um, and they, they just about hung on in the end uh, yeah although I don't know maybe they would feel a little bit a little bit unlucky as well um Kieran Clark, oh, what are you doing? Don't put Aston Villa central defenders in your international football teams. That can't be a good idea, can it? 
He plays for Aston Villa. No, it can't be, and it, it cannot be a good idea, And but you pay for that, don't you? I mean, you know, talk about the predictable. And the, the thing is, when you watch it in when you watch it in normal time, I didn't actually spot that it was an own goal. It was one of those where the camera angle was such that you couldn't, I couldn't quite work out exactly what had happened. And then when you watch the slow motion replay, it all looks so measured. Like it's one where he really leans in and kind of deftly flicks the header just inside Randolph's post. Yeah, really just awful for the lad. I really felt for him because uh, undid so well. That goal from Wes Houlihan, what a hit. Just beautifully sweet. Lovely, lovely volley. Yeah, um, a goalkeeper called Randolph. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a lovely old fashioned name and all, but that can't be right. That's not his first name though, is it? No. <laughs> doesn't work Ed doesn't apply his name's Darren that's a perfectly contemporary name very good Um, Spain versus the Czech Republic I definitely want to talk about Spain um, because they were good like yeah they lacked a bit of penetration but they got there in the end and uh, you know rumours of Spain's downfall may have been a little overstated I think well they've won three of the last four tournaments haven't they (laughs) yeah well exactly yeah I mean there's still some very very good players in this Spain side definitely got some weaknesses and up front might be it yeah Um, controlled the ball penetration wasn't great Uh, Iniesta was fantastic wasn't he Um, rolled back the gears Big Dave didn't have much to do. One early save uh, when he blocked um, uh, blocked one of the Czech guys whose name I've totally forgotten. Um, and one late about, save as well. And one late save, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean there was a lot of talk uh, in the build-up about whether he'd start, not not only because um, Del Bosque was like umming and ahhing about whether Casillas or, or Big Dave would start as if that's a real choice, but, you know, all the press around... This uh, this court case in Spain where he's been named as a user of Ladies of the Night uh, um, yeah. and potential ringleader in organising a party of said ladies. Um, yeah, that was a story that looked real, real, real bad and in the end is just bad. You know, there was a time when that story looked like it might be really, and it might still end up. Uh, looking really bad, but for now... D- denied by all, and, and this was supposedly, what, four years ago, um, and the paper's been around for some time. So, anyway, it's a, it's a pornographer who's, who's currently in prison, right? I'm right in saying that, who who's actually on trial, and the, the hair was named in some witness statements. Right, so, yeah, uh, not not nearly as bad as it could have been, that one, so so far as we know, so far. I'm reluctant to say it. It was just that the, the, the story came out just, I think, between us recording and releasing our podcast, or just after it had come out, when I'd kind of gone, there's absolutely no reason on God's green earth why anyone would ever drop David De Gea. And it's like, hmm, okay, maybe there is. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, he didn't have a lot to do, and, and I guess he's finally... You know, finally confirmed as the number one for Spain. Yeah, four years since Iker Casillas, you know, his form fell off a cliff. Yeah, so it's bananas that it's taken this long. Uh, Group F, which has happened tonight, I missed Austria versus Hungary, the Habsburg derby, which did you know, fun fact, that is the second most played fixture in the history of international football after, I think, uh, Uruguay-Argentina. 
Wow, I did not know that. No, it's a surprising fact. It is a surprising fact, yeah, since um, they've not always been friendly, these two nations. No, well, they ran an empire together for a long time, of course. They did, but um, that that was a couple hundred years after they spent 11 years beating the crap out of each other. But they just spent 90 minutes beating the crap out of each other, and Hungary won! Hungary won! And they were very good. They were, they were good value for the win, Hungary. Very, very neat through midfield. You know, technically excellent. You know, look for... Half, a half, I guess, that they just had no penetration in the final third. It kept breaking down. Um, but but in the end, um, got the goal. And then just a beautiful goal to win it right at the end. Um, sort of shades of Dava Suka in 1996 with a chip to finish over the keeper. And did Adam Nudge score? No, Nudge didn't score. Shame. Uh, friend of the rank cast, Nudge. Um, Salai scored after an hour and then Steiber with the, the beautiful finish right at the end. I heard Nudge had a really good game though. Um, so that's good. Uh, some predictions more accurate than others on from last week's show. Predicted Belgium would win every game. Um... I think that's the only one we got wildly wrong so far, really. It's kind of gone, uh, until the last couple of groups, it had gone, it had gone pretty much to expectation, I guess, a lot of, a lot of games had. Um, but the last couple of groups, there have been some big surprises. I think the, the quality of Republic of Ireland's performance was a bit of a surprise. Although, I think what Sweden do in the rest of the group will put that into some context. Hungary, that's obviously a massive surprise. And then the game that happened just before we recorded this, Iceland getting a draw with Portugal. And they were good value for it as well. I mean, this is, this is nuts. This is a, a country of 300,000 people. Um, there's twice that many in Manchester. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they have no right to have a decent team, but but they worked very hard. I mean, of course, they were on the, the defensive for a lot of the game, weren't they? Um, and uh, but but you know very very solid. Um, Hal Dawson didn't have a lot to do in the Iceland goal. Uh, well, he didn't make a lot of saves, did he? Do you remember? I think he was. Yeah, I think he was pretty busy. I mean, he didn't have to make any really great saves, but the, he had a lot of contact with the ball. I'd say nine shots on target from the Portuguese. I suppose that's a decent number. Yeah, that's that's kind of yeah. that's a lot. For um, <laughs> I, I thought Ronaldo was. Pretty disappointing, actually. I mean, you know, I guess uh, I guess everyone has very high expectations of him, but you know, the first chance he had to shoot from like forty yards out from a free kick, of course he did, and he scuffed it, and then uh, wasted another couple of good chances from free kicks right at the end. Uh, Nani scored though. Talking about past and future Manchester United legends. Yeah. A, a rumour since we last recorded the podcast that he's coming back to Old Trafford. I don't believe that one. <laughs> really. Is that just because he's a, a George Mendes client? Yeah, they're all coming. Every last one of them. Uh, Angel Gomez, uh, I guess maybe Angel Gomez. I don't know. Portuguese pronunciation is confusing, but he played in that game, didn't he? United target. He did, and did, didn't he create the first the goal as well? He did. The past he three? did. But he was kind of a little indisciplined generally, and it was a good it was a good assist, kind of crossed assist. But the rest of his performance was not that good, mind you. Renato Sanchez didn't do anything when he came on, did he? Hey. Not bothered about him. No, waste of time, waste of money. Yeah, <laughs> we knew knew he was a fraud, as the kids say. The poor man's Anderson. <laughs> uh, Dimitri Payet looks so much like Anderson, so much like Anderson. It, it, it's it confuses me, and I think I like him even more than I already would because of how much he looks like Anderson. 
All right. Favourite goal of the tournament so far? Oh, I mean, favourite isn't even close. To, to talk about Payet's, that that was... I mean, I was I just was going completely ballistic. My favourite... I've watched that replay so many times, and my favourite thing about that replay is how high his standing leg swings from the momentum of the shot. His standing leg uh, ends up above hip height from the swing because of how much power he put into that shot. Absolutely beautiful. What about yours? What was your favourite? Kieran Clark's own goal. Comedy value. <laughs> I mean, a shout for Modric's goal, which... Yeah, um, lovely hit. Really annoying punditry on that, complaining about the goalkeeper. Uh, but Eric Dyer, fine goal for England, although yeah, he was very yeah, close to the keeper. It was, but he hit it so quickly. Like, it's that's that's one where it looks so different in um, at top speed compared to the slow motion replays. True, and, and there was some shithousery in the wall, wasn't there, from uh, the England players there. Uh, possibly a foul, I'd say. Uh, talking of the dark arts of football, at Opt... Optat Navan says, in the whole... Well, I'm going to just slightly change the language of this question. In the whole history of not very nice people, how big of a not very nice person is Pepe? Oh, he's a total... Easily the dirt worst. That move that he pulled when he was fouled by the Iceland player and tried to make it look like his momentum had swung into him into such a position that he couldn't help but two-footed kick the other guy in the chest. <laughs> I know. I mean, we'd wait a long time for that. From yeah, there, yeah. I mean, to be honest, to be yeah. fair, yeah. yeah. It, it is the thing that everyone's looking out for and uh, he was almost disciplined. <laughs> he almost. Was, but almost, but definitely, definitely not quite. At Captain's Armband, at Sea Armband says, do the Icelandic team look most like Game of Thrones? And actually, I don't think they do. I think the Swedes have got a big edge on Games of Thronesiness. Not a lot of beards in the Icelandic team. I was a bit disappointed. True. It just depends which of the families uh, we're talking about here. These these are the northerners, right? Are, are they? Is this, is this how Game of Thrones works? Yeah, winter is not coming, though. The weather's been pretty good in France. Except for the time it absolutely lashed it down the other night in... Uh, uh, Bordeaux. At Sean KDLA says, what's better, Ronaldo or Otters asking for a friend who is wrong? I feel like we're the only people to turn to for a definitive answer on that question. I, I think that it's fair to say that if the thing is at football, Ronaldo's got the edge over Otters. He definitely has the edge. But when it comes to being adorable, you go with an Otter all day, every day. Ronaldo is not adorable. No. And, and have you ever seen an otter preening himself in front of a mirror? Never. Have you seen the uh, the advert with Ronaldo in it? The the feature length Nike advert. It's truly awful acting. Truly, I mean Wayne Rooney esque acting. Do you think so? I know. You see, I think that's quite harsh. I think he just about pulls it off, and it's quite a demanding role acting wise. I think he's. I think it's not that bad on that front. Yeah, you see, my uh, my view of Ronaldo in film is coloured by that documentary about him, in which every room in his house has like floor to ceiling mirrors all over the place. Yes, yeah, it's it is definitely troubling, and we can't talk about acting and advertising. Uh, you may well not have seen this yet on Principal Ed, but the Manchester United players have been at it again. Uh, not content with putting Wayne Rooney in X-Men. Now, uh, a wide variety of United players are in an advert for the movie Independence Day. Mm. Um, and it's a spectacular piece of work. There's some, like, Juan Mata's line delivery is legitimately brilliant. Bru- like, 
completely, you fully believe that that is how Juan Mata would react in that situation where it real. Blint pulls off his comic timing excellently. Rooney is not bad. I, I watched the Casiero del Diablo advert again just to do a compare and contrast. And for all Rooney's slight woodenness in these modern adverts, there is no comparison from where he's where he's come from to where he's at now. Inversely proportional, his footballing ability versus his line reading. Mm. Is he a legend? They say he is. Yeah, uh, who's the alien in this thing? Uh, I don't know, but we have had a question about this, obviously, uh, from friend of the rank cast at Liz Moore, who says uh, which United player is um, more likely to, uh, is most likely to fly into the alien spaceship and save the world. I think it might be Phil Jones, but accidentally. Like, he's not trying to hit the alien spaceship, but that's where he ends up. Yeah, or, or Bastion. I mean, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh. Man to save the world, it's going to be him, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, of course, when Zlatan comes, he'll demand that he gets the starring role. Yes, and he'll do it in the third person. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we, there's some more games coming up, uh, funnily enough. Three a day. Yeah. Around a round Yeah. What what are you looking forward to? Um, well, I'm looking forward to seeing in Wales. I really am looking forward to that one, just because narrative and all that. Um, I mean, I'm massively looking forward to seeing if France can improve. Um, I, I'm, um, I really want to see how Croatia do. Um, uh, their next game is against Czech Republic, which should be not that much, not that difficult a game. But they're the, they're kind of the team that's quite captured my imagination a bit um, so far. Um, yeah, I think I think that that pretty much sums it up you'd expect france to be albania wouldn't you and uh, england wales could be tight i mean you know england clearly got the better players but but you know um there's the bail factor and there's the the wales team spirit factor um seems to be very high at the moment northern ireland last chance Uh, i'd expect them to lose to ukraine poland germany could be good though it could although i mean i guess northern ireland made it very difficult for poland to play but Poland really didn't play that well. Um, they had so much of the ball and a few decent chances, but um, I was a bit disappointed. They'll have to do a lot better, a lot better. Um, but it will be a very different sort of opposition for them, of course. What I'm really looking forward to is the things that happen in the next two round of games making the opening round of fixtures look ridiculous. Because it's we talked about this before we started recording, but... We've just done loads of analysis on the first round of fixtures, but it's basically meaningless. All that really matters is the points you get out of the first round of fixtures because tournaments are never defined by these opening exchanges, are they really? No, very true. And, um, you know, and and, and it hasn't gone off plan too much, has it? You know, most of the most of the results that we expected have come out. You know, perhaps Italy beating Belgium is a is a big surprise. Iceland getting something out of Portugal. Maybe we didn't expect Hungary to beat Austria, um, but but generally it's gone gone the way we sort of expected. So you know, no one's out or through yet. Obviously, uh, will make a big difference. There will be a big difference by the time we get to. Our next podcast, I guess. Yeah, big big result for um, Ireland and Sweden. The Portugal versus Iceland won all, I think. Because mm-hmm. you're looking at the best third place finishers. And um, I mean, unless Russia and England get involved in that, lots of teams that you'd kind of expect to finish third in their group have lost their opening game um so it's going to be it's going to be really tight and, and kind of loads of fascinating group maths at the end the only one thing i would say is you said maybe we expected austria to beat hungary i think everyone definitely expected austria to beat hungary 
they were pretty big favourites for that one. I think that is a that is a fairly seismic shock, to be honest. Indeed. We've got tons of, of questions from listeners, so should we do a couple more of those? Let's do uh, let's do another ten minutes of those and we'll bid the listeners farewell. Um at MUFC six eight nine nine O eight underscore says Are you having a nice day? No, because I've been at work till uh, seven PM at night. Um I had a very nice day, thank you. Mind you, I did uh, I did Send me skive off by playing the the football on my uh, my second computer at work. Definitely, definitely helps. Um, yeah, I uh, I did have a nice day. I enjoyed I enjoyed the, the Portugal Iceland game at the end of it. That was that was very enjoyable. Um, this nanny lad for Portugal looks all right. Should we sign him? Definitely not. Definitely not. That was. But you know what would happen? Yeah. You know, theoretically, United would spend like I don't know fifteen or twenty million on him. Yeah. He'd be pretty disappointing, <laughs> and we'd flog him off for a couple of million next summer. Yeah. Uh, question from at Rich Lee 2202. We've got Memphis. We don't need Nanny. Um, can only afford one of those in the squad at any one time. At Oigenis says, after watching Ireland Sweden, this is what you said, is it now clear we should go for O'Shea rather than Zlatan? Clearly. He's the man. He's always been the man. Should never have been sold. Um, and at Rigel V says, what's been the most excitement, exciting moment of the Euros so far for you? John O'Shea. Yeah, that was big, wasn't it? I, I think for me, the two that I really enjoyed was, I mean, the Payet moment, the fact that England looked pretty good in the first half of that game. And then... Um, I really enjoyed watching Croatia as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed Italy's performance. I wasn't, wasn't particularly expecting that from them. And uh, I think it was a pretty joyous moment when they uh, scored right at the end of the game to seal it. Yeah, absolutely. Bastian Schweinsteiger as well. I got very excited when he scored that goal. Um, there's something about the fact that he plays for United, even though it's in a, essentially in a mascot capacity. Um I just, I've become very, I've got very warm feelings towards Bastian Schweinsteiger now. Not mascots, player escorts. And I, I just think this is kind of weird, <laughs> yeah. given the uh, the story that came out about uh, oh, Big Dave. <laughs> it's just, it's just the wrong title. No, you, you're not wrong, Ed. I wish, I wish it hadn't come up, but you're not wrong. Um, at Wormito says, which film slash genre would you like to see United make a trailer for next? Fingers crossed for Bollywood slash a rom-com. Well, in my tomorrow's you Maxit column, you'll uh, you'll see. Well, Wednesday, no idea when this is going to be released, but yeah, you'll see that I've pitched a film idea where Daily Blint stars as a rush as a Dutch salesman who is sent by his company to Idaho and uh, meets and falls in love with Zoe Deschanel. Um, who he finds to be more captivating than his rather stuffy, buttoned-up Dutch fiance back home. Wow, bit a bit of typecasting, though. You, you don't think he could, you know, play a wider variety of characters than some Dutchman with fine hair? I think. Listen, let's start him off as a Dutchman with fine hair and build up to a, a broader palette of roles. Those cheekbones were made for the silver screen, though. Uh, should all goalkeepers wear tracksuits? Asks at Rick Allen. No, no goalkeepers. No, I, I'm, a, I get, I'm against this. I'm against this almost as much as I'm against goal music, <laughs> of which we have not talked about. I, I know we shouldn't utter it, but there is goal music at this tournament. But as was pointed out on today's Football Ramble, not universal gold goal music. So it's not like every game has goal music and it's not like all the goal music's the same. Spain have got goal music, but other teams haven't. So what is going on there? Someone should investigate. Yeah, it's an absolute disgrace. I I, I, don't, I don't know about throwing the Russians out of the tournament for their uh, their organised violence. I'd throw goal music out of the tournament. Can we? And whoever decided it was okay. Can we have a bit of a serious conversation about the Russia situation? Because... 
it's been very upsetting actually because we like I've enjoyed all the football and stuff but I mean it's horrendous um I mean look you expect a bunch of drunken English guys trashing bars and stuff like that because it happens every single tournament uh, you don't really expect paramilitaries of what is what seems to be happening here yeah um, having organized to kick the crap out of everyone they see yeah and that's not the English fans, to be clear. I mean, the English yeah. fans, the loads of the media coverage initially was kind of like, look at the disgrace of these England fans. And actually, the Football Supporters Federation were quite adamant that, I mean, this is not to say that the English fans are, by any stretch of the imagination, kind of innocent victims and not and, not, and even that they're a nice bunch in general, because that would be very hard to argue. But this is like, like Ian McIntosh said... There's not been kind of gang, and Ken Early said this as well, there's not been gangs of English fans roaming around looking for trouble, but there have been loads of gangs of Russian fans doing that. And, just very, and, and of course, the response from UEFA has been to, dip, to uh, send a bunch of official Russian supporters groups home, but that's probably not where the trouble's coming from, is it? You know, there's, there's plenty of normal Russian football fans too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, this is the... The weird perception that that the Russian hooligans have that English football hooligans are some kind of like target, not, not target challenge, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, football authorities regularly get it wrong when it comes to to how to understand and um, and manage fan culture, right? So, uh, another example of this uh, in in. Unrelated United news, uh, not a lot of hooliganism with uh, United fans these days. Uh, did you see the new regulations around away tickets? Pretty much restricted to um, uh, executive box and season ticket holders, as you know, has tended to be for, for some time. Um, and then very, very much restricted to named party only in, you know, with the pay- penalty of banning for life forever and will eat your firstborn if you uh, if you resell it. Three years, not just resell it, but give it away as well. Totally non-transferable and all sorts of regulations to try and enforce this. Because it's kind of, these have kind of been the rules for a long time, but they're, you know, nod and a wink sort of rules. And United Away fan culture is, unless there was a way round this found... It's not going to be the same. Not going to be talking about how United have got the best away support in the country anymore in a couple of seasons' time. No, no, no. They've, they've, uh, you know, if the, if this works out, they will have very successfully uh, turned United fan culture into basically a smaller version of of Trafford yeah. fan culture. And you know that there is some argument on the other side which says away tickets have been in the hands largely of the same you know, of a thousand of the same 1,500 people at every away game. And there are a lot of people who would love to go to away games that can never get tickets because so many of the tickets circulate around the same group of people. Um, So that's what the club are talking about, trying to basically give access to more people um, to to get to go to away games. But it's just never going to be the same. Uh, I I don't think that's hyperbolic. I think it's never going to be the same. Um, and, and I think the other thing, of course, is that loads of people that go to away games are people that haven't been to Old Trafford since 2005 when the Glazers took over. Um, and that's one of the reasons that the atmosphere is so raucous at away games. Well, um, the atmosphere in, inside the stadiums in France has been excellent. 
some really, really, really good sets of fans uh, and England. Um, I mean, they, they made a good atmosphere in the stadium. They did until they were chased out of it by. Uh, oh, it was horrible! Like really horrible. No policing at all, and just none, no security whatsoever. I mean, unbelievable. And and the firework or a flare gun shot into the uh, into the supporters as well. I mean, mm. I mean, given the focus on security given what happened in Paris not very long ago, mm-hmm. it's a spectacular failure, isn't it? Mm. And, and you know, the, there were a few games where there were loud flare bangs, and I think everyone watching must probably have had the same thought pretty much every time, because mm-hmm. we're just hearing those explosions is really scary now. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we've Of course, we've got some, in slightly lighter news, we've got some business to attend to, haven't we? Uh, you sprang a contest on me last week, Ed. Uh, I'm going to do the same to you. But first of all, let's, um, let's, let's get the Art of Football contest winner awarded. In third place in our contest is my friend at Dane Sayer. Um, this is such a niche joke, but I loved it. So sorry. Fix. What's the price for third place? Nothing. Just, oh. just honor. Just love. But Dane, Dane knows he has my love anyway. Um, Gaza missed because he had ball cam on. Listen, that is an absolutely brilliant Rocket League joke. If you don't play Rocket League, you have just missed out on a wonderful piece of business. In second place, uh, at Andy Yaks who says, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson told me Gascoigne's miss was because grey kits impede vision. Good. And in a surprise twist, the winner is also at Andy Yaks, um, with Yuri Geller fell down the stairs after having won too many, trying the same trick that saved us from Gary Mack's penalty. Well done, Andy. Um, so uh, DM your details to Ed. Uh, and he'll sort that one out. But we've got another um, prize. A friend of the show, at Cal Gildart, has done these beautiful Toulouse-Lautrec-style illustrations of um, every player, uh, well, of every for every team of the Euros, with their kind of star player in there, the name of the team written in that beautiful lettering of the time. Um, and, yeah, so uh, if you can tell us uh, what has just been, what's been the funniest moment of uh, the tournament for you so far... Use the hashtag RankCast. Have a look on Cal. That's at Cal Gildart's um, Twitter. And, and you can, in, anyone in the UK and Ireland, this competition's open to. You can pick uh, your choice of team to get a print of. Uh, entries mentioning Yogi Love will not be considered. <laughs> Just... <laughs> oh my God, we didn't talk about Yogi's uh, scratch and sniff. Oh, everyone knows about it. <laughs> There's no, nobody needs to, I never want to think about or see it again as long as I live. Wow. I mean, for a minute there, I was thinking you were turning us into heartbeat, but uh, fortunately you brought the level down quite a few levels. <laughs> I, I mean, not only did he do it once. I mean, you know, a bit of a fumble to, to sort out your, uh, you know, the, the beaten two veg. Uh-huh. Acceptable. If, yeah. If you've got tight trousers and he does wear quite tight trousers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sniffing, not so acceptable. Not acceptable under any circumstances. <laughs> but in... then to go around the back oh, of the house... I've got to take my headphones out, I can't listen to it. To go around the back of the house uh, and do it again, there's something very wrong about that. It's so disgusting. Anyway. Uh, On that if, cheery note. if he, he won the World Cup. He's a World Cup winning manager. It's not going to be what he's remembered for, though. <laughs> Sorry, Yogi. That's all forgotten now. Well done and everything. Not that many managers have won the World Cup, but no managers have done that. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, that was another episode of the Rantcast. Thank you for the nice feedback on the first one. We'll be back. Uh, I guess we'll try and do one after the second round of fixtures, shall we, Ed? Something like that. A roundabout-ish, sort of. All right. Have a great week or so. Enjoy all the football. And if you're out there, please, please, please stay safe. De galettes, les bouffeurs de crêpes Après avoir bravé bien des galères et des tempêtes Regarde bien la tête des jeunes guerriers celtes Il y a le loup, le renard, bien sûr il y a la belette Autocritique parfaite mais ça reste correct Pas d'idée abjecte, c'est pour faire la fête Voilà comment Mano avance à se prendre la tête Chante quand le loup, le renard et la belette Chante quand le loup et le renard C'est moi qui fais cet oratoire, je suis le loup, c'est net C'est une facilité de chambre et pour moi c'est ainsi C'est moi qui ai le mic, c'est moi qui écris Ne vous inquiétez pas les gars, pour vous je resterai gentil Je n'oublie pas que Mano aussi c'est un état d'esprit Chante quand le loup, le renard et la belette Chante quand le loup et le renard